Welcome to a championship version here of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And we are watching this, uh, or we're recording this as we're watching the NCAA Men's Championship game here. Should be a good one. We talked a lot about that on Canton Bound last week, so not going to go too deep into it other than Colin prediction. Um, Man, I mean... UCLA really gave Gonzaga a run for their money, but it's not like Gonzaga played bad at any point in time in that game. You know, it was just UCLA was just on. And Gonzaga hasn't really had any bad game at all and any bad stretch really of this of these games. And so they don't beat themselves. So Baylor is going to really have to play the best basketball all se- that they played all season in order to beat them. And I don't know if I... I mean, Baylor's really good. You know, they've been mostly like the second best team all year. Uh, but I don't know if I see him beating Gonzaga. That's that's just one tough team, complete team. Yeah. So what? I mean, do you have a score? Or, no, you're just saying Gonzaga and Gonzaga. It's a four, it's, how about it? It's it's a four and a half point spread. How about that? Like, do you take the four, over on that? Uh, at least that's what I heard. It was released at the other day. It might yeah, the line might a little been. closer. Um. I st- yeah, I still think I'm going to take Gonzaga. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, though. Um, you know, probably upper 70s to the, you know, 80s-ish. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be like – I think both teams are going to be in the 80s. I think it's going to be like 80, 81. I'm going to say Gonzaga that. wins. Yeah. Um, I, do that just, I just have this feeling that's what it's going to be like. Um, but if anybody listened to our Super Bowl preview show um, – we're not the most accurate predicting these things. So. <laughs> yeah, we love to we love to talk and we love to make predictions, but whether they're always right, eh. we do we do better with our college football player analysis. We swear. Yes, we yeah. swear. That's what you, we know. That's mostly what you guys are here for. Yeah. Um, no. So speaking speaking of that, Colin, we have this league that we're in together. It's uh, no offense to anybody that organizes the program or anything, because that league is like an its own separate thing. Like I don't even consider that league when I talk about my other ones, just because it's so involved and so crazy. But we have this league that I, I call my favorite. It's this twenty team auction C two C league, and um, like the, like the incoming freshman draft here is an auction every year. And it kicked off tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time here. So we we are right, we're right in the heart of this. Um, so I'll apologize, Colin, if I like ignore you at times because I'm trying to check what's going on on the board. Yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah, I mean, it's probably more important than whatever you're saying at the time anyway. Let's, yeah, it's, yeah, let's, that's fine. Let's be I real. mean, I'm going to do the same thing, so. Perfect. So there's going to be a lot of what, and can you say that again as we go through the show here? <laughs> so we'll apologize to everybody ahead of time for that. Uh, timing, timing didn't work out in our favor there, um, but very excited uh, to get that underway, my first freshman draft of this offseason. I've done, uh, I haven't done any freshman drafts. I've done like a bunch of the mocks and been following along with the startups, but not, not any freshman drafts. So I'm interested to see exactly how this goes. And we'll have to report back to you guys with, with some of our findings for this. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely, um, this, cause this is like a, an, a, an auction one where, you know, once it's a 12 hour timer, when somebody beats the proxy bid, it resets and it goes all the way back. So this is a long draft. Um, so yeah, we'll probably be able to update you throughout, you know, yeah, this will go for a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even throw a couple updates in on, uh, on some camp bound shows here and there too. Um, you know, maybe at the beginning, just to find things to talk about. 
Yeah. Um, so just before we hop into the show here, guys, just remember, we like to try to get this out of the way at the beginning. Please rate and review the show. Uh, we decided that on, um, what are we recording there? Like this, what's that Monday, the 17th or 18th of April, whatever is two weeks 19th. from now, the 19th, we yeah. are going to um, give away the jersey live on that recording, whether it's a Sunday or it's probably going to be the Sunday because I think we're doing our wide receiver summit on that Monday. Yeah. Um, with all the with all the campus to Canton crew. Um so yeah. we'll record that Sunday and we're gonna give the jersey away then. So if you guys have not entered yet to win the Travis ETN jersey, rate review the show. And then the most important part of that, you got to send us a screenshot so, so we can attach a, a name yeah. to an entry. Um you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Debbie Dietz, Colin is at C2C Decker. You can DM the show slash website account at Campus to Canton. We have a Gmail account, campus to Canton at gmail.com. Um, all of those are good places to send your entry. I've, we, I think we've gotten like two new ones since the last jersey, and we've stricken like five names from the list. All the guys that joined us over at Campus to Canton are no longer eligible. Right. So um, they, the, the pool's even smaller than last time, guys. It'll, it's probably sitting at about 20 to 25 right now. Um, so, yeah, get in, do that, and make sure that you are entered to win there. Um, beyond that, we are just going to hop right into spring practice roundup here because there is a ton of news coming out. We are just covering a fraction of it here. Um, we do a couple of weekly news shows over at the website that are, is exclusive for our members over there. So if you're looking for more news, uh, go, go check those out. Uh, join us in the website and hop into our Discord there. We're going to start with one tonight that we actually really haven't delved into too much over there, and that's the quarterback situation at Notre Dame. I think by now, you know, not just the guys over at campus to Canton, but uh, people everywhere that's, that play in C2C and Debbie Leagues, uh, Tyler Buchner seems to be a very hot name this offseason going into Notre Dame, uh, highly recruited four-star dual-threat quarterback. Um, and you know, obvious job opening there with Ian Book leaving. So we, yeah, we projected Buchner to possibly be able to contend. We should have known better. We should have known with Brian Kelly there that we can't have nice things. That he wants to run this team like it's in the 1970s, and he just has no intention of ever making Notre Dame a modern program. And so we are stuck with transfer quarterback Jack Cohn, who sounds like he is going to be the starter at least for 2021. Cone comes from Wisconsin, played a couple of seasons there off and on, um, battled through some injuries. His big season there, though, was in 2019, where he completed just short of 70% of his passes for about 2,700 yards, 18 touchdowns, and five interceptions. So it was a pretty solid season. And then he was kind of expected to, or one of those guys that everybody said, you know, maybe he can make the jump in 2020, got injured. Uh, usurped here by Graham Mertz, so he is leaving to Notre Dame. Colin, what are your thoughts on Cone and that quarter six quarterback situation as a whole? Are are we sleeping on Jack Cone? I guess maybe should be the first question that I ask there. Um, I mean, I, I'm gonna say a little bit, uh, only because he's not actually in our uh, on our rankings on the site, um, which you know probably uh, that's a protest over- on my yeah. part. That's a protest move. Definitely an oversight there, but on our end, um, I just, when you're ranking 95 quarterbacks, sometimes you miss a guy. Um, so yeah, we, we did miss Cone. We'll, we'll get him in on the next update, but you know, he should, he should be definitely be on the list. Um, because I, I think you're right. I think he is going to be the starter there. I've kind of thought he was going to be the starter there all along. 
um, which is why I'm a little bit lower on Buck Buchner than you know everybody else seems to be. Um, I think I have him as, as my QB 20 or 21. Um, you know, I like him, I do, but I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to to get onto the field. Um, you know, he he may get on there next year, uh, may get on the field next year, or I could also see them bringing in another transfer quarterback ahead of him, just because um, Buchner he didn't even get a, se- a senior season. Um, you know, playing out there in, um, in California. <clears throat> so, you know, he didn't, he didn't get any time. Um, so, you know, he's a little bit behind in his development there. So I, that's why I kind of thought Cone was going to be the starter anyway, but I'll be honest, I'm really not even that interested in Cone. Um, you know, like you said, he, he hit a decent year in, in 2019, but he also had an 8.0 yards per attempt, which is pretty low. Um, and Notre Dame's passing offense just really isn't that dynamic. Um, yeah, they were the number 58 passing offense last year, which it's, it's not bad. Uh, they averaged, um, and, and that's in terms of yards per game. Um, they averaged, you know, just under 30, uh, pass attempts per game this year. They averaged 30 the year before that. So it looks good a little bit on the surface, but when you look at their, their YPA both years, it was 8.0 last year <clears throat> and 7.6 the year before. So they're just, they're not an explosive offense. Um, you know, they, the, they're uh, the number two and three options in the passing game last year were a tight end and a running back, which that's great for those guys. You know, those are, those are types of p- people that you want at those positions, you know, where they're getting a high volume in a passing attack. But it's tough to be an explosive offense when you don't have an explosive wide receiver. And they're losing both of their top guys from last year. Um, you know, they have a couple potentially interesting names, Kevin Austin, Jordan Johnson, uh, but nobody who's at really established. Yeah, Lindsay. Yeah, uh, but nobody who's really like established. Um, so I just I think this is just kind of a passing offense, at least from a quarterback wide receiver standpoint that I'm probably going to avoid. So, yes, we're sleeping a little bit on Jack Cohn, but it's not anybody that I'm going to regret. Uh, I, I don't think you're ever going to, you know, wake up in a cold sweat, you know, because you didn't end up with Jack Cohn on your team. I'm I've I I probably would have said the same thing only a lot harsher about a month ago I think just because I would have been so disappointed about Tyler Buchner because I think like you said you know this has been this has been the 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 tea leaves if you started to read them a month six weeks ago even maybe longer than that just knowing Brian Kelly's tendencies I think we kind of all knew in the back of our minds that this was coming and so I think it caused me to write Cone off a lot initially and I still don't love him. I don't think he's really an NFL prospect. I don't um, – I, I think he could be an okay stash guy, though, as like an end-of-the-bench, fill-in, bye-week kind of guy, just because I think Notre Dame is going to be a pretty solid team this year. And I think, you know, a repeat of that that season that he had at Wisconsin is – because they're a conservative team, too. You know, we're not projecting him from a, a super high-flying offense where it's, you know, four or five wide receivers on the field – um, you know, empty sets, a, a lot of crazy motion. Like uh, the Wisconsin offense very much mirrors Notre Dame. I'm sure that's not a coincidence that, that this is kind of why these two have ended up together at the end of the day. So I, I think it's okay for Cone. The thing that I really actually like about this, the more and more I think about it, is I think it's just going to mesh really well, like you said, with uh, with Mayer and Kyron Williams, who, like you said, when he when Cone was at Wisconsin two years ago, you know, his his leading guys were Cephas, 
who had 60 catches, 900 yards, seven touchdowns. Then Jake Ferguson, the tight end, 33 for 407 and two. And then basically a couple running backs. You know, Jonathan Taylor had 26 catches that year and Garrett Groshek had 29. So I think this is a really good thing and a really good complementary piece to the pieces that we actually do want on Notre Dame, which are Michael Mayer and Kyron Williams. You know, beyond that, like you said, maybe you're dabbling in a Kevin Austin or a Chris Tyree or Jordan Johnson or somebody like that. But I think I think real in reality, Mayer and, and Mayer and Williams are the two that I'm most interested in that offense. And I do think Cone is good for those guys. So in that sense, if it has to be anybody, I'm at least happy that it's somebody that's going to give those two an opportunity to really spread their wings. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest takeaway here with Cone um, is it it locks in what we thought about Mayer and uh, and Kyron Williams, you know, and it makes you feel good about having Mayer as a, a top two, um, you know, di- um, C2C tight end, even Debbie tight end, too, and locks, um, you know, what Williams in as a. You know, he's like, I think he's what RB seven for us collectively, I think, or he's RB seven. That sounds right. Yeah. I think he's seven or eight. Um, I think his hack Evans might be seven. He might be eight. I don't know. We just updated our rankings yesterday to this morning or last night or whatever. So I haven't, um, I haven't officially seen what our new aggregate is there. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think the top changed uh, all that much, but, uh, yeah. So either way, I mean, I think it makes you feel good about, about those guys and, and having them as both, you know, pretty high end options. I think that's going to keep their status pretty secure on, on that front. Yeah. Um, so it, it's unfortunate. I guess you have to hope that Cone is either so bad or so good that he either leaves for the NFL or gets benched so that we can see more Buchner. Cause I think he still does have two years left with the, the COVID eligibility. Um, the only COVID bummer eligibility. Yeah. The only, the only bummer really, and this is just a throwaway line that we're going to put here at the end is that Buchner isn't even running with the twos. At camp, he's running with the threes, and Drew Pine has been running with the twos. And Pine, I'm not, I've never been a Drew Pine guy. I know some people, I don't, they had like this little small, like cultish following, <laughs> but I don't, like, I don't know if it's, it was like a, a meme thing, you know, like the cool Komet thing is. Like, I, I see that on Twitter every now and then. And I'm like, cool Komet's not good. I don't, I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't understand what the joke is here. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I get the joke, but it, it's stupid. Um, so I, I don't know, like, if Pine is the same way or not. Um, um, but if Pine would start over him the following year, it's just I, I I posited this question the other day when we did this news update. I just said if you if you were a high end uh, like high end athlete at, at on the at an offensive position, why in God's name would you ever go to Notre Dame <laughs> with Brian Kelly there? And I don't mean that to be rude. The guy just like they recruit those guys and they don't play for three years. It's such a waste of their talents and their skills and their athletic ability. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They are, it just, they're, they're pretty stuck in their ways as far as like an old school passing offense or an old school offense in general and, and football team in general too. Um, I will just say one thing that could potentially abode in their favor is the loss of Clark Lee, uh, a defensive coordinator. Um, Cause he's such a great defensive coordinator that, and they lost some decent talent on there. So maybe that defense takes a step back and they have to throw a little bit more. Um, but, you know, overall, I think that they're just going to try and ground and pound. And I don't know why any, you know, skill position player would really go there. I mean, it, it's a great offensive line school, great defense school. But, um, you know, they, they consistently get some decent offensive talent. And it doesn't really ever turn into anybody that you're all that interested in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so the next big story here, and because we kind of touched on this last week when we had Nate on, but we didn't get to delve as deep into this whole situation as I really, really wanted to. So I tossed it back on here tonight. Um, the George Pickens injury. And I think there is, in, there, there are a couple of discussions that you can have surrounding like this. Like we could almost put this story on the show sheet for the next four weeks and approach it from a different angle each time. And it would, I, I think it would be like an interesting discussion to have each week, just approaching it from a different direction. But I'm not going to do that. I think this is the last week we're really going to talk about it here, at least maybe until later in the off season. How much, cause last week we talked about just kind of who do we want behind him, you know, and we had, uh, because there were rumors that Jermaine Burton had been hurt and it sounds like he's, it's not as bad as we thought. And there were rumors that Arian Smith was hurt. And it's not as bad as we thought there as well. So I'm not too worried about necessarily just trying to piece together what that depth chart looks like now. I think it's going to be pretty set by the time fall comes around, but what does this injury do for Pickens value himself? I know I just flipped him. He was my number one overall C2C wide receiver. I thought people taking, like, I think he's just a much better player than David Bell. And I thought, you know, with JT Daniels there, he was going to feast this year. So I had him number one. I had Bell number two. I flipped Bell above him now. I have Bell one, Pickens two. I'm not even sure if that's the right move yet. He might shift back when all is said and done here for me. But Colin, what does his injury do to his value for you? Um, It doesn't really do that much at all. from a, T, a C2C perspective, I flipped um, Burks ahead of him just because you're going to get production from Burks this year. Um, I mean, I think potentially Pickens could even make it back for a playoff run um, this coming year if, if he really wants to. And if, you know, the rehab's looking like it's progressing well, I think that's a possibility um, just because of how early he tore it. Um, you know, we saw Jaden Hazelwood tear it later in the year than this, and he made it back for the for a late season push. So I think that's potentially on the table, but that's going to be after your uh, after your your C two C season's over anyway. So you know, he's not going to give you any value this year in that, which is why I flipped uh, Burks ahead of him. But I still think he's a high end pro prospect. Um, you know, he's he also has showed enough in year one and two that I'm not really worried if he. Does, and I'm assuming actually that he probably will come back and play at Georgia again next year, um, you know, with missing pretty much this full year. Depending on how the end of that year goes, if he does make it back and he looks good and he gets a good grade from the draft advisory board, maybe. Um, but even if he does come back for his senior year and he's not an early declare, which is it's not a death knell, but it's definitely like a little bit of a red flag for guys if they're not an early declare. But like I said, I think he showed enough in year one and year two, and the injury is an easy explanation as to why he was coming back that it, it wouldn't really worry me at all for that. So it doesn't really change his stock for me at all, um, especially in Debbie. It wouldn't change his stock for me at all. And like I said, I flipped one guy in, uh, in C2C ranks. It, it happened too early as well for us to really see any sort of shift in ADP for these guys. So now I am interested now that um, Mar- uh, we have a new month here, April rolling around and we've just kicked off. We've got two mocks that just kicked off this weekend. We've got another one that's probably going to kick off. If not tonight, then sometime either tomorrow or the day after. So we're going to, we want to try to bump out a bunch of mocks this month to kind of try to uh, piece together a lot of changes that are happening right now because of spring practices. Right. Um, but we haven't, we do not have the data yet to say definitively whether he's shifting one way or the other in the minds of the general populace. Um, really, all we have to go off of is kind of our thoughts. Um, so, we'll, like I said, we'll probably talk about this again 
at some point from some angle, you know, talk about a relation to JT Daniels or, or Jermaine Burton or Marcus Roseme or, or some of these guys, maybe, uh, you know, a, a sleeper there steps up. Um, but definitely a situation that we're just going to continue to keep our eyes on here as the offseason rolls on. Uh, next piece of news here, and this is um, like Jack Cohn. This is a little bit of me um, trying not to be too stuck in what my initial opinion of somebody was or a situation was here. Uh, we're talking about Donovan Edwards over at Michigan. I, On talent alone, I do not have Donovan Edwards ranked uh, that highly in this class. He's a top 10 guy for me in this class at running back, barely. But um, I he's he moves up a couple spots in my ranking just because I don't think Michigan has a lot of guys in front of him, and I think he can play right away. And it does sound like he's looked really good so far this spring. You have teammates and coaches alike both saying that he just looks like he, he – there is no adjustment period for Mr. Edwards. He has gone in there. He looks fast. He's playing fast. He's dangerous with the ball in his hands. Um, so I think, um, you know, he's a guy that that maybe I was too low on. I Maybe I need to reevaluate a little bit. Colin, what um, do you think about Donovan Edwards? Um, so I do like uh, Donovan Edwards. Um, I'm trying to, to pull up my ranks here real quick to see where I have him. Um, I have him as RB 35 overall, I believe. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm fairly high on him. Um, and, and it's also a lot of that has to do with, I mean, one skill set. I do like his skill set. Um, you know, he's he's fairly shifty, shows some, some nice long speed, but he's also pretty physically uh, advanced for, for a guy coming out that year. And, and you wouldn't really know it by his size at 5'11", 190. Um, but you know, he breaks tackles. Um, you know, he, he looks like he looked like he was going to make a fairly easy transition size wise to, uh, to the running back, uh, position at the college level. And I think he could easily add like another 15 pounds or so, um, you know, 20 pounds to, to get him up over that, uh, the, over the 200 mark, you know, close to the 215. I, I don't think that's really going to be any problem for him. So I liked that about him as well. Um, but I do also like the situation he was going into. I mean, you know, everybody kind of poo-poos Michigan and, you know, I'll be the first person to do that as well. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a Michigan fan at all. Uh, you know, I, I In don't. fact, you're the opposite. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm a Penn State fan. Um, but there's no standout running back on that depth chart now. Um, Zach Charbonnet has gone. Uh, you know, they have Hassan Haskins, who's meh. Um, Blake Corum looks looked fairly solid. He had a decent freshman debut there last year. Uh, but he's more of a pass catching back. And I don't really think there's any reason why I don't I don't necessarily see him being anything more than a one B in, in a running back room. Um, which you know, he could definitely potentially still have some value there. But uh, you know, I think that the depth chart overall was pretty wide open, and I think that you know, Donovan Edwards, Donovan Edwards had a good chance as any to step into that role there. So I did like him coming in and I do like hearing obviously how well he's doing in, uh, you know, in the spring ball. And just to throw back a reference to our, uh, our, our draft that we're going right now, he was one of the first players that, that people put up on the board, on the auction board there. Um, you know, he's, he's going for at an, at a decent clip there right now. Um, so it seems like a lot of people are a little bit higher on him as well. 
Yeah, I think outside of the C2C guys, I think um, there a lot of other places have been higher than us. And that's kind of like when I look at our rankings and I see we have a guy maybe higher or lower than what I hear other places, um, I try to get that perspective so we're not insulating you know, our rankings right. and stuff over there. I think that is very important. Um, yeah, agree. Uh, for us, as we continue to work through some of this process, you know, it's our it's our first time ever owning a website that has you know a bunch of composite rankings for hundreds of players and all this. So we're, it's all we're all learning everything. I have yeah. Edwards is my RB twenty six, I believe. Oh, you're high. Um, yeah, and I like he's in a tier like there. There's some other freshmen around him. He's with he's in there with like Travion Cooley, CJ Burdell, Tyler Goodson, Camaro Edmonds. Tyler Algier, Demarcus Bowman, and Zach Charbonnet. Those are kind of the guys that I have around him. That yeah, it's a lot of guys where I they might have an NFL future, they might not. You know, it's just kind of that tier where there's a lot of question marks, but a lot of potential too. Yeah, and I, I mean, it looks like um, based on the rankings here, um, surprisingly, you and Bruning are the two highest on on Donovan Edwards. Um, which is it's Bruning's actually the highest. He is him at twenty five, which is uh, definitely interesting. Yeah, Felix uh, yeah. hates him. <laughs> yeah, Felix has him at fifty three, which is kind of was dragging his ranking down and putting him as the RB thirty one uh, by our composite. But I mean, I still think that's pretty high. Um, you know, it's got him. He's right there in a group with Byron Cardwell, Kamara Wheaton, and Donovan Edwards. Uh, it's like that's those three right there. So I think that's a solid group. Um, with Trevion Cooley like right behind him. So, you know, we, we think fairly highly of him and it's just, I, it's definitely good to, to see him start to take advantage of that open depth chart that, that was ahead of him. Like I was saying. Yeah, I will say, I think outside of, um, outside of Travion, I think, uh, Felix is just a little too hesitant to bump freshman running backs, um, and freshman as well, a whole. Just looking at I mean, his rankings here. Yeah, I mean, that's that also looks like a personal philosophy, it seems yeah. like, you know, a little bit more of like a, I need to see it first, um, you know, outside of uh, of some special circumstances like Travion, um, you know, which, you know, that can save you in, in some instances where, you know, you take a guy and they bust, but, you know, you can also be a little bit too late on a guy. And then if you do end up really liking him, then you kind of have to overpay. Um, so I do try to find strike like a decent balance there. Uh, but I will say, I think I have like freshmen rated fairly highly overall. Um, and that's just because there's not a ton of guys I see there with, with NF, with a great NFL potential, you know, especially, especially at the quarterback position, but we'll move, you know, we're not talking about that right now. Um, but with running backs, um, you know, looking at my rankings here, I have, uh, was it one, two? four freshman running backs in the top 25 and you know they there's some other guys in there that i like that i like but you know i'm, I'm just less certain about some of those guys like i even have zamir white up there but you know like we talked about on the running back summit show you know are we sure he's a an nfl running back um you know after those knee injuries we don't really know i think he is you guys kind of disagreed which had a nice back and forth on that but you know that just kind of goes to show you once you get outside of like you know, 15, 20 ish range. Like it's hard to say, it's hard to feel great about the pro prospects of any of those guys. Yeah. There, there are a lot of question marks there. Um, I, I think, um, 
I go back and forth on the phil the this philosophically just because these guys, you know, as freshmen, they'll never be cheaper than they are now if they hit. So right. I think if I have a feeling about a guy, I almost feel like it's that's the way to go. Um, especially for guys like if you can get a high a high rank guy that isn't going to play as a freshman, I almost think that the value is more insulated on that guy, and I can I have another year if I ended up wanting to move right. Um, yeah, which I th- which is like a whole different discussion for a whole another day. Um, but the, the things like that are just things that I look at. And Donovan Edwards is, obviously does not fit that description because, like we said, I think he's going to play quite a bit here in 2021. Um, so the last spring news item that we have to discuss here tonight is a uh, position change, and we don't get a ton of these. I mean, there's a, there's a few every offseason that are noteworthy, um, but not you know there aren't a ton of them that we would be interested in for for C2C and for Devi and and Dynasty purposes. But we have one this offseason to start things off, and that is G. Scott Jr., the wide receiver, now tight end at Ohio State. Scott was part of, as I think most people know, the big wide receiver recruiting class there last year at Ohio State. You know, I think it was four top 100 overall recruits, including number one overall wide receiver Julian Fleming, five star Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, uh, G Scott jr. And then, uh, Mookie Cooper as well. Uh, Cooper transferred to Mizzou. We're going to talk about him at some time. At some point, I just wrote a piece about him and, and he's moved up in my rankings considerably this off season, um, over at Missouri. Um, but it seems like now Scott is going to shift to tight end. Um, just because the log jam at wide receiver there is crazy and it's not getting any better with Agbuka and Ballard and Marvin Harrison Jr. coming in this year. And then they already have Caleb Burton and some guys coming in next year. Like it, it really never ends there. So Scott, Scott was having trouble, I think, uh, Bruning said, keeping his weight down. Uh, so instead of working on that, they're just going to bulk him up a little bit. Um, does this impact his your feelings about him at all? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think this is I think this is a great move all around for for all parties involved. Um, I think this makes things a little bit better for Julian Fleming now. Um, you know, he's not going to have as much of a competition there because I think it was going to be kind of uh, Key Scott and um, Julian Fleming fighting for some outside role there. Um, you know, but now with him moving to tight end. You know, I think that that's going to free that up a little bit for him. Uh, and then, you know, with with Scott moving to tight end too. I mean, they have uh, they have um, Jeremy Ruckert there um, this year, so you know maybe he doesn't get a ton of snaps this year. You know, plus he's still working into the position. But I think Ruckert's likely gone next year. Um, you know, obviously we don't know really know with the COVID year and everything like that. But I think it's likely that he'll probably go. And then I don't. There's not really anybody else standing in his way for his meaningful snaps. And I love converted wide receivers to tight end. Um, those are my favorite types of tight ends um, to, to go after, you know, because one of the biggest indicators of future success for um, tight ends is, you know, athleticism. And, you know, wide receivers are typically more athletic than tight ends on a whole. But also wide receivers, you just feel better about them pa- catching passes than, you know, guys who are just straight tight ends. So, you know, I really like that position change for him. Um, I think I saw what he's he's been up to about like what two twenty five, two thirty ish right now. Yeah, I think he's approaching two thirty. Or they said that like yeah. that's the plan by the time like fall rolls around or whatever that he'll be right. around there. So, 
Yeah, and and that's fine for this year because, like I said, I don't necessarily know how much he's going to get on the field right away this year, but um, kind of my minimum threshold for tight ends weight-wise is about 240. Um, that's Jordan Reed and Evan Ingram size. So, you know, he's G Scott's listed as uh, uh or G Scott's listed as six three. Um, so six three two forty would be basically the exact same size as Jordan Reed and Evan Ingram. And those are guys who are basically move tight ends, but they do play in line a little bit. Um, but that's kind of what I'm looking for there is that sort of a prototype. You know, he's he's not going to be as big. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to want to have play in line all the time. Um, but I don't think you want that necessarily as a tight end for fantasy purposes. You know, you don't want the the blocking tight end. You want the guy who's going to go catch passes. And I think that's going to be Scott. So I like this move a lot for him. So I, I have one big problem with this move, and it's kind of what you were just touching on a little bit. And it's why I'm not sure whether I think this is actually a positive thing for him or not. I think he would have been better off maybe with a transfer somewhere else. And it's because I'm not sure that he can get big enough for me to be interested in him. And I get what you're saying about him being a move tight end. And first off, I think we're making a lot of assumptions that he can even get to 240. And that's a playing weight that like, he's not like, that's a okay size for him. Cause I'm, I'm just not necessarily sold on that. We we'll see. I want to see what he comes in at it in the fall, and if it looks like he's moving really well and he's bulked up to you know two thirty five, he's almost there. Then maybe I start getting a little more interested in that. Because the other problem is with some of these move tight ends, you have to hope that they go to an offense that has a creative offensive coordinator, or else they're doomed. Right. I think with that's the proof is in the pudding there with all these guys that we've seen go to the NFL and we say, well, this guy's so athletic and he he's gonna he you know he breaks the mold of a tight end and I think he can do a lot of fun things and they go you know I think a guy like John who has just scraped the surface of what he could potentially do in the NFL with the Titans because they're so conservative. I fear for Brevin Jordan who I think is very similar. Um, this this year so i think landing spot is a very important thing for him so that's what scares me a little bit about g scott did you shift him over to your tight end rankings and give him a, a, a number um i think i did i think he's in the mid 20s for me uh, I, I actually put it okay let me look here you have him at tight end 17 17 yes okay I have him at 22 and i can just list some of the guys i have around him so i have him at 22 starting at 18 i have will mallory who's at miami i i actually i really like mallory I've, I've been preaching his name for about a year now um austin stogner who's at oklahoma theo johnson at 20 he's at penn state and probably the heir to the tight end throne there number 21 is cole turner from nevada another guy who is a wide receiver wide receiver turned tight end um, and then isaiah likely i have at 23 that's kind of the company that he's keeping right now and once you start getting above that, you start getting into the guys that have proven production. And I'm not ready to put him there yet, obviously. Um, but like I said, if he comes in at, at 235 and he's moving really well this offseason, there there might be a bump on the horizon for him. Yeah, I mean, you're so the guys that you have around him are just they're they're similar prototype guys. Like you said, you have Cole Turner 21 and G Scott uh or G Scott 22. So you know, just for reference, I have Cole Turner number nine, tight end. 
you know, that just goes, like I said, but that just goes to show you the prototype that I like in a tight end. I have Greg Dolchich from UCLA, another converted wide receiver to tight end uh, as my 16. Malik Carr, I have at 15. So that's another big athlete. You have Theo Johnson at 20. I have uh, uh, Theo Johnson at six. Uh, Isaiah Likely, I have at 18. So I have him around similar guys, but you know, I'm I'm just lower on guys like Brant Quaith, Quaith, however you say his last name from Utah, who is literally the exact prototype that you were just discussing. For the record, it lines up all uh, over the place. He, he lines up at fullback, H back, in line, out line. Like they he, they hand him on give him the ball in sweeps and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they give him on sweeps and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just and I, I guess maybe it's part of the Utah offense that I don't love. Um, could be why I'm a little bit lower on him, but I mean, he's still right around there for me, but, um, another guy like, you know, Jake Ferguson, I'm lower on him too. And, and just, you know, some guys like that, I just, and Charlie Kohler, I'm a little lower on than most. So I just, I don't know. It's, like I said, it has to do with the prototype that I kind of look for. And, you know, with the tight end, I tend to aim for ceiling and the guys who catch passes and or athletes are just have, they have a higher ceiling. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that. Um, tight end is one position. I will say like when I was going through my rankings update this past month was not one of the ones that I focused extremely heavily on. I really dug into my running backs and wide receivers. Um, so now that I have those pretty well established tight end might be the one that I have to dig into here next time and just think a little bit about how things are shaping up there, um, as we move into the season. Um, so we have a couple of offenses here. We're going to talk about tonight and we're going to start doing some more of these. You know, we were doing some of the G five deep dives, uh, where we, we looked at, who do we look at? Colin, we looked at East Carolina, Nevada, Nevada Fresno. Fresno. There might've been, um, Arkansas uh, State. yeah, I think those were the four that we hit and we'll do some more G five, you know, we were not going to limit these to P five or anything as we go through, but we are going to start right. breaking down some of these offenses. Now that we have some spring practices under our belts, and we think that we have an idea of what coaches are like, what depth charts are going to look like, at least initially, you know, freshmen that have caught coaches' eyes. I think that's one that can really throw a lot of these things off. You know, you think you you know something, and then a freshman shows up and just totally blows everything up. Whatever hierarchy is there, a lot of that kind of stuff happens now. But there, some of these offenses are really starting to get a lot of practices done, and a lot of news is coming out. And we can start thinking about their places in these offenses. So we chose two to talk about here tonight. And we just have a couple of questions to kind of guide us through the discussion. Nebraska is the first one that we have here. And I know I'm not the first person to ever say that I think I'm moderately excited for Nebraska's offense this year. <laughs> only to be disappointed come <laughs> week five, maybe. We'll give them through non-conference and then they get into the Big Ten, and which is a whole different beast and things start to fall apart a little bit, but I am sort of excited for Nebraska. I think there is a lot of untapped potential, a lot of athletic, natural athletic ability, and just a lot of talent on this team as a whole. There are a lot of question marks at the same time. And that's why I think a lot of these guys at their current value are really good values. I think, you know, you can get them for cheaper than they might be uh, six months from now or a year from now or, or whatever the timeline may be. So I want to start. I guess we should just start with the, with the quarterback. I don't have that as the first question listed here. Uh, don't you usually do, give me crap for doing that, skipping around on the show sheet? Well, I'm not just like <laughs> totally not even talking about something that's on there. Fair. I'm just saying. 
Um, do we like the quarterbacks <laughs> at, I'm just going to move on here. We're, we're done with that. Um, <laughs> do we like the quarterbacks at Nebraska? We assume it's Adrian Martinez again this year, right? I don't know. I look at that roster. I'm not sure who else would start. McCaffrey's gone. He's shifted yeah. over to Louisville. I think it has to be Martinez. Does that make us feel good about either like his production for this year or if he can support some of these guys that he has around him now? Um, you, my, my note underneath here is the, do we like QBs? I said, what QBs air quotes? I was like with McCaffrey gone, I think it's really Adrian Martinez's job. And Scott Frost has shown a little bit of a, an attachment to Adrian Martinez. You know, he's doesn't really, he's stuck with him through thick and thin. And as far as Adrian Martinez goes, I like his rushing ability. That's great. But he needs to be more consistent. I mean, he's going to be a four-year starter there this year, basically. You know, for, for somebody who's a four-year starter, you have to be more consistent than that. You can't have some of these, you know, up and down performances. I mean, this past year he had a seven point oh YPA and a four to, a four to three TD to INT ratio. Like that's just that's abysmal. Like it's not good. Um, you know, it's great that he he was like their lead, he was their leading rusher, I believe. Um, he had the most carries in the team with 91. Same with touchdowns, most touchdowns, uh, which is most yardage seven. too. Yeah. Yeah. Most yardage. So, I mean, that's something we can get into when we talk a little bit about running backs. But, you know, from a quarterback fantasy perspective, you like that rushing ability, but you also have to bring something with your arm and you have to bring some consistency. And I just don't see that from Martinez. I also don't think he's a pro prospect. So now I'm not really interested in Martinez at all. I will say the other two guys that they have there. Um, are mildly intriguing. Um, Logan Smothers uh, was a four-star guy last year, number 14 dual threat. Um, he's, he didn't have any spring. He had, basic, he had no reps last year. He didn't get any snaps. He didn't really get any practice reps. So, you know, he it was a tough year for, for him to, to do anything. Um, by all reports in spring, you know, he's looked better. Um, so that's definitely something that's interesting to me. Um, you know, and he also, he's, he is a true dual threat guy, you know, his, his junior year in college, uh, he had 800 yards on the ground and nine touchdowns. Um, he only threw for 1700 yards and 14 touchdowns through the air in his junior year. But I think that was just pretty much the the course of the offense that he was in. Cause he did have a 69% completion percentage. So it's not like he was an abysmal passer. Um, but well, so by that, by that metric, uh, Adrian Martinez completed 71.5% of his passes last year. I mean, fair, but you know, I've him. seen it. I've good point. Good point. I've, but I've seen Adrian Martinez do it on a college field. So I know he can't do it. I haven't seen Logan Smothers, you know, do it on, on an NFL field or on, on a college field. So, you know, I mean, I, I'm more interested in, in him. You know, I think we, we know what Martinez is at this point. Um, but that's why I said Smothers is a little bit more interesting. Um, and then they do bring in another guy, uh, Heinrich Harburg. Uh, three-star number 17 dual threat guy and he's been he's gotten some some praise here from the QB coach um, the QB coach really complimented his mechanics um, said he was a pretty clean mechanics nothing that he needs to clean up there um, and he's he's 6'5 185 uh, and he allegedly ran a 4 six forty according to his huddle page so hard to say on that one Allegedly. Um, <laughs> I like but, phrase that. <laughs> but we, we, you know, I haven't watched him at all. I literally just found him doing research here for this show, but that's a little bit intriguing to me. 
Um, he also did have an offer from Harvard. So, you know, you can assume he's a smart guy. So that helps there. But I don't think either of those guys are options for this year. They're just kind of guys to keep an eye on for, for next year when Martinez hopefully finally does leave. Yeah, I, so here's the thing with, with, uh, we, I said something about this before the show. I think Adrian Martinez is going to get Scott Frost fired. And I say that because I think Frost has done a really good job identifying quarterback talent at all of his previous coaching stops. Um, now, I don't know, you know, I don't think the talent eval was necessarily there at Oregon when he was there in 2014, 2015, but he was at least responsible partially for development and deployment of these guys. He had Marcus Mariota in 2014 there, obviously his Heisman year, his final year there in school. Then he had Vernon Adams in 2015, which was a total blast from the past name when I was looking some of this stuff up <laughs> earlier yeah, today. Did he end up in like the CFL for a while? Probably, yeah. I mean, I we there, there was a run there where we kind of liked all these Oregon quarterbacks loosely, basically just because of Marcus Mariota and, and the whole Oregon offense there. And that, uh, not sure that's been the case here. Well, I mean, Herbert's been great. Uh, but a totally different kind of quarterback compared to what they were right. cranking out there for a few years. But but regardless, I mean, he's he's had these guys that are mostly dual threat. You know, Mari- Mariota scored 513 fantasy points in 2014. I looked all these up and kind of Man. self-calped them real quick. So they, they might be off by a little bit here or there. But, I, you know, 34.2 points per game. Vernon Adams scored 18.2 in 2015. Then he went to UCF in 2016. He had Mackenzie Milton as a freshman. Mackenzie Milton's freshman year was not very good, but the whole team was not very good. And I think his sophomore year, he really caught his second wind and put up 418.78 fantasy points, averaged 32.21 per game that year. So, I mean, again, build a guy up. I think he's now come to Nebraska and he's tried to do the same thing with Adrian Martinez. And I think the experiment has just not worked. You know, freshman year, Martinez he did okay from a fantasy perspective, but it was very much a, you know, he's flashed passing. He's really good rushing. If we can just clean up the passing, we love Adrian Martinez. He kind of got that freshman benefit of the doubt. And then 2019 came around and he was not as good. And I think he was dinged up a little bit that year. And we were all like, well, okay. Like he didn't really grow this year, but maybe next year, you know, Nebraska doesn't have a ton of weapons, but now they'll have, you know, Wandale and, you know, JD Spielman and, and they have all these incoming freshmen, you know, Omar Manning, Marcus Fleming, uh, Xavier Betts, all these just kind of athletes at the position they were going to surround him with. And he was even more disappointing last year. So I don't think we like Martinez for his NFL upside. What I do like him for, though, this year is I think he's going to a candidate to bounce back and just put up an absolute shit ton of fantasy points for college. I think he's being slept on a lot of these drafts. I He's not even being drafted in most of them. I, he is in the database. So yeah. he is like, he's in there. Like if people are scrolling, you know, it's some the of the ADP gets at the top of the list. It, exactly. So the, like he he's in there and, and people are actively choosing not to take him. His ADP in February, he was not drafted in March. His ADP is 210. That's pretty late for the upside that he provides. You know, I don't there there's a scenario where he finishes as a top 12 fantasy quarterback for this year and isn't that far off points per game wise from like a Malik Willis or a Grayson McCall. So from that perspective, I do think he's being underdrafted right now. Now, whether he can support the rest of those weapons, 
I think it's the bigger question, but I, I'm probably going to try to go out and get some Adrian Peterson this offseason. I'm not going to lie. I don't kind of feel Adrian dirty Peterson. saying that, or sorry, Adrian Martinez. <laughs> uh, I kind of feel dirty saying that, but I, I think I can, I'm going to go get some Adrian Martinez. I mean, more power to you, man. I'm not going to have, I'm, I'm not going to fight you on that one. So you can, you can go get all the Adrian Martinez shares you want. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to get in a bidding war with you. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I'm going to be laughing all the way to all these championships. You're going to be sitting over there and in the corner crying because <laughs> you don't have Adrian Martinez, the the main weapon. Um, so beyond the quarterback at running back, I think there's a conversation to be had about Wandale at both running back and wide receiver since they kind of deployed him at both. But I think we'll shift that conversation to wide receiver and kind of focus on some of these other guys for now. So there are a lot of candidates at running back, but so I'm not exactly sure what to do with the position. It does sound like this spring, and this is really exciting news. And I'm really sad that we're putting this out there into the ether right (laughs) at the beginning of this, of this incoming freshman draft, because I really want this guy in pretty much all my leagues this year, but it sounds like Gabe Irvin is running with the ones. For those who don't know Gabe Irvin, he is a three-star running back out of Georgia, and he played at either the highest or the second highest level there. I forget which, but in our conversation that we had with Alan True when he came on Debbie Debate a few weeks ago, um, he was saying that the evaluators really like Georgia because it's just a really nice breeding ground for some of these guys. It's a high level of competition, and it's a nice level of athlete. So, um, you know, a lot of guys come out of there, but he also said that a lot of them get overlooked as a result just because of the sheer number of kids in Georgia. And he suggested he thinks Urban could be one of those guys in this class. He's listed at six foot 200. So he's got, you know, he's not far off true college running back size. He's a really nice mover, I think. I know this is starting to turn to a freshman profile. I don't want it to sound like that. So I'm, but I'm just tossing some of this information out there for people who may not know about RB35 and this year's composite. Um, but he just looks like he he has a chance to be that guy that we're talking about in like October, November. And we're like, where? Why was this kid rated so low? Where the heck did this kid come from? Do you think that he um, – like, are you, would you be looking to grab him in drafts this year? Um, yeah, so I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. I know uh, Gabe Irvin's a big guy, uh, as a guy that you and Alfred are both big fans of. Um, he's just, Al- he's not Alfred a guy introduced that, me. I'll be I'll be honest, Alfred. Yeah, he, he's just he's not a guy that I've I've watched much of yet. Um, I've watched a little bit of his huddle highlight tape on uh, on twenty four seven, and you know it was good. I, I liked I did like what I saw. I, I need to watch more of him to be honest with you. And that's why I have him ranked where I do right now. I have him as the number 48 incoming rookie. Um he's definitely a, a candidate that could move up my uh, move up my rankings there, especially with the news that he is running with the ones. Um you know, so that is definitely nice to see. I I I worry about the situation though there. Um it is a little bit of a crowded backfield. Um you know, they have a lot of names there. It sounds like he's been separating himself and, and, you know, um, Marquis step was a transfer from USC. He was a guy that was getting a little bit of hype with, he was going there, but you know, it sounds like Gabe Irvin's kind of elevated himself above him. Um, Sevian Morrison was an interesting guy from last year too, but, um, you know, it sounds like again, Gabe Irvin is, is ahead of him as well. 
Um, so it sounds like he's, you know, the cream's rising to the top there. But I, either way, I do still worry about Martinez being the focal point of that rushing attack, uh, which, you know, like I mentioned when we were talking about Martinez, he had the most carries, most yards, most touchdowns in the team. And I think that is, I think it's likely to to be pretty close to, to the same this year as well. Um, you know, he had 91 carries last year through, what was it, like eight, eight games, seven games? Yeah, he um, only for, played seven. Um, he played seven. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so 91 carries through seven games. <clears throat> that's probably that's probably, that's probably a pace that'll be similar again this year, I think. Um, maybe a little bit lower. You know, maybe he gets down to, you know, like 10 rushing attempts a game uh, instead of a little over. But either way, that's still a, a nice chunk of the pie that he's taking. Um, you know, I think his rushing ability will open up er- lanes for Irvin and will allow Irvin to be very efficient. Um, but... I do, I do worry about the volume Urban will see with Martinez um, kind of being the helm of that rushing attack. Yeah, I think this year could kind of be a cluster. Um, and if it is, then I think this is a year where if you believe in Gabe Urban's talent, then maybe you go try to buy him and uh, in anticipation of a potential breakout. You know, Maybe you try to get him thrown into a trade at the end of the year or something. Um, of uh, behind Irvin, I think Morrison is the one that I find his skill set the most intriguing. But I just have no idea whether he's actually going to contribute there or not. I think he has so many question marks around him. But I, I really liked him last year. I thought he's a really, really good athlete. You know, six foot two ten. He's got the size you want. Um, kind of one of those a little more upright runners, but not like in a bad way. Um, just you know, not quite like I, Irvin. Irvin is not quite that way. He's he's a running back's running back with the pad level and everything. Um, but if any, beyond them, though, you have like Marvin Scott the third, who I think is kind of intriguing, um, and like you said, Step, who I don't think is a very good player uh, overall compared. He's like a bowling ball; he's like two hundred forty pounds. Um, yeah, so I like I, his NFL potential. I don't see that much in it for college. I don't think he's going to end up being the best running back. Um, so give me all of the Gabe Irvin this off season. Um, but just like I think, Colin, you just summed up perfectly. Just don't. I'd be banking on these guys to have a good year this year because it might not be possible um, with, with Martinez there taking up some of the rushing upside. Um, the wide receivers, I think, is a briefer discussion. Um, like we said, Wandale leaving was was obviously their main offensive threat. There are a couple of guys there that are interesting. I mean, Marcus Fleming transferred this offseason as well. I kind of liked him as a tiny little athlete kind of guy. He's gone to Maryland now, I believe. Um, yeah. So really the two guys there that I think are intriguing for C2C purposes are Xavier Betts, who is becoming a very hot name this offseason and is shooting up boards. Um, he has moved, he's moved up mine as well. Um, admittedly, just because it sounds like he's probably going to have a starting spot. And I really, I, I liked Omar Manning last year. And I know the the thing about Manning that is um, a little scary about his profile, he's a Juco guy who was there for two years and then didn't really play at all last year because he was a little banged up. So now you're looking at a fourth-year guy that has never contributed at D1 level. You know, the odds of him becoming an NFL success may be a little more limited. So now I think we do turn our attention if you're looking for that traditional profile to bets. Do you have any opinion on bets? Yeah, I I like Betts. Um, he's definitely the most intriguing out of that group. Um, you know, former four star guy, number twenty wide receiver. 
Um, you know, he's got good size. Let's see, it's six two, uh, what one ninety something, one ninety eight, I think. I, I have him at six two two hundred on their updated roster, 200. I believe. So I mean, okay. regard this a couple of pounds. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, pretty good size there. He's a good athlete too. Uh, four five nine forty, a four point oh nine shuttle, thirty eight point six inch vert. Um, and he he had a decent freshman year, all things considered. How their passing attack was. I mean, he had twelve for one thirty nine and one touchdown as a true freshman. Um, so he's definitely the most intriguing guy. But like you said, he's you know other people are starting to catch on to that. He's starting to rise up boards. He's not really getting to be that much of a value anymore. Um, so I think that's – I'm not out on him or anything like that. Um, you know, I'm definitely still interested there. But I, I will say that another guy that um, I'm interested in is um, Samori Ture. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um He's a, a guy who transferred in from uh, Montana uh, as a grad transfer. Um, and he's, you know, he, he's the smaller guy. He's a slot type of a guy, um, which I think with, with Fleming gone, um, well, he's, he's not that small. Um, he's 190. He's 6'2", 190. But they're, he's the guy that they're going to use in the slot from what I was reading. Um, but, you know, I think with Fleming gone, yeah, that opens up a, a nice role for him in there. Um, and you know, he's, he's a guy that I think is, is interesting because he had a, a lot of production at Montana, um, 2,488 career yards. He's number 11 on their all time touchdowns list as well. Um, so he comes with some decent production at, at a lower level, which, you know, at the FCS level, which is interesting, um, getting, you know, seeing how he's going to step up there. So he's a guy that is somebody who, I will certainly be keeping tabs on, uh, but I don't think I'm going to take him anywhere. I'm not going to roster him anywhere just because I don't love that passing attack. Uh, and I don't really love any of the options outside Xavier Betts. So it's just a guy that I wanted to mention the name, but I'm not really all that interested in anybody outside Xavier Betts. And at the price that Xavier Betts is starting to go, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, to move off of him. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, the only other guys there to really talk about are the tight ends. And, it, you know, a lot of teams, we don't talk about it, but it's Nebraska, and that's the kind of football they play. So we're going to talk <laughs> about their tight ends. And it's good because they have a couple there that I actually kind of like. Uh, Thomas Fedone is one of the top-rated tight ends here in this class, and I think he is a favorite of a lot of people. He is my tight end, two in the class after Elijah Royo, who's going to Miami. Um, but both pretty good prospects in their own right. The other guy that that they have coming in here and is another freshman is James Carney. And I found this kid's name just tooling around on the athletic a few months ago, I believe. And I'll go on there from time to time and just kind of scroll through the team pages and see if there's any fun articles. And Carney was just kind of that they had this piece on him going there. And he was kind of this late bloomer who was like a really good functional athlete, but he'd go into testing and he would not test well because he had not been coached up. And so he was dropping down recruiting service rankings because he'd go to these camps and he, you know, would, would, his 40 time was terrible. His, his jumps and stuff weren't great. He went and worked with this coach who told him, you know, you're doing X, Y, and Z wrong. You're so fast on a football field. I think we can get your times up. And this kid shaved like 0.3 off his 40, um, like did added all these, this distance to his jumps and stuff. And, but, but he did it so late in the process that, 
teams kind of weren't recruiting him that well. So he is behind Fedone going in this year, uh, but he's just a sneaky guy. I don't like you don't draft him. Don't draft him. <laughs> you know, I see people and I, I, I love it. Like people are taking the guys we talk about as sleepers in, in some of these drafts and I love it. Uh, I appreciate it. This is a guy where I t- I'm just telling you, don't draft him. You don't have to waste a roster spot on him. You don't have to waste a draft pick on him. You can wait probably a year at least to just put him on your watch list. And if something happens, it just keep that name in the back of your head because he could be a guy that ends up being, you know, a really nice player along with Fedone there. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, not all of these guys are guys that we're saying go out and add them right now. Um, but and I know we have very similar philosophies with this, but one of the most beneficial tools that you can use is the watch list. Um, you know, it's it's very easy to put a watch list together. You know, you just browse through rank or the um, player rankings and the availability uh, of guys, and you know, you just make notes of them. But you know, as you as you hear news about it, you're like, you already have that in your mind. You're like, I already have him on my watch list. I know that name. Let me go take a look at it. And now you're like, well, I have this guy on my team. That I don't really, you know, I don't really care if he's on my team anymore. I kind of wanted to drop him anyway. Let me pick this, you know, guy up that I noticed earlier, and now I'm hearing a little bit of buzz about. Let me go pick him up and see what happens. And I think that that's a really underrated tool. Um, but I think that's something that can give you a, a nice advantage there. So like I said, I know you and I both kind of have a similar philosophy with how to use the the watch list there, but that's not something that you always hear people, you, people hyping it up. You know, everybody's always like, you know, go out and get this guy now, but you, you don't always have room for everybody. So yeah, like, like you said, it was a great, great point. You know, add him to your watch list, keep an eye on him, keep him, the name tucked in the back of your head. My watch list in our big IDP league that like that we're drafting right now is like 15 pages deep on fan tracks. It's enormous. And <laughs> in addition to eight. <laughs> in addition to that watch list, I also um keep a notes tab on my phone. And like, you know, if I'm really reading through that James Carney article and his name comes up and I, you know, don't want to hop on fan tracks or whatever, I just punch it in my phone and then I'll kind of compare, consolidate the lists as the offseason or the, as the season goes on. Um, but, but I think just, just getting those names and putting them somewhere and having them in the back of your head yep. can be a great tool for you for when that name does pop back up that you, like you said, you've heard the name, you remember the name, and maybe you can be on him a week earlier, you know, before the big blow up happens, uh, right. And, and, um, find some success that way. So we do have one other offense here. Um, this offense is probably not as involved to discuss i don't know it's intriguing but in different ways here we're going to talk a little bit about arkansas tonight and arkansas not a place that you necessarily think of as a offensive juggernaut and i'm not claiming we're not claiming that they are going to be this season but i think they have a lot of really fun athletic pieces there like they're one of the most oddly huge athletic offensive teams in the country um, and it would just be really fun to have a season where like that all came together for them and they just absolutely crush everything in their path. Um, this would be the year to do it with, with Bama reloading a little bit and some of these other teams, you know, new, new coaching staffs are, are a little bit lower. Um, some of these teams. Um, but I guess the talk with them has to start at quarterback and it sounds like it's going to be KJ Jefferson this year. I think we don't really care which quarterback it is. It's just, you know, because they're all the same they have on the roster between the battle this year was KJ Jefferson and Malik Hornsby. 
they're literally the exact same guy. They're very, very <laughs> raw passers. I have a really hard time, like the, uh, short of finding a genie in a bottle and granting one of their three wishes to be a good passer. I can't see either of them ever becoming an NFL quality thrower of a football. But they're very dynamic on the ground, and they're not so totally inept that they can't get the ball in some of these guys' hands. You know, Jefferson especially had that game where he started last year, and um, uh, Burks had a huge game that week. So that that is really good to hear. Um, do you like Jefferson's a nice QB stash, right? Like he's like if he's like your QB five on your roster, you're really happy about that. Yeah, QB4. absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, depends on you know league size, uh, roster size how much depth you have at the position, like, you know, how, how you feel about your top end guys. But yeah, he's absolutely a guy that's worth, you know, rostering. Um, you know, he's a dual threat guy. Um, you know, he was a four star. He was number 12 dual threat by the composite, but he was the number five dual threat by 24 seven the year he came out. Um, so, you know, that was, that's always something we talk about is something you like to see. Um, and he did, he did flash a little bit too. Um, you know, he had that one solid game last year, um, 18 for 33, 274, three touchdowns, 32, uh, yards and another touchdown on the ground. So, you know, he, he definitely has some rushing intrigue there too. And, and those are the types of guys that, you know, you want for fantasy purposes, you know, like we were talking about with Martinez, you want the guys that are going to run the ball too. You want the Konami code QBs. Uh, but you know, you also, you know, he, he flashed a little bit as a passer, um, you know, enough that you're not enough that you're not scared off by it. Um, so it's not somebody that you're going to be feel super comfortable starting. But, yeah, absolutely a guy to to keep an eye on there, too, especially with the news that Malik Hornsby hasn't really looked that great in camp. Yeah, they um, finished their spring practice. They are like there's their spring game, I think, the other day. I don't think it was a scrimmage. I think it was their game. I could be wrong on that, but they've been practicing for a while. Um, Jefferson went like 12 for 20 for like 160 yards and a touchdown or something, or like 150 yards. And Hornsby went like eight for 24 for a hundo and an interception. Yeah. Like with the, 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 the a reporter said that the skill gap was very noticeable for the two of them. Yeah. So you got to feel pretty good about him getting a starting role. So yeah, definitely a guy to keep an eye on there too. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, like I said, the, that's all going to be the same regardless of how that shakes out. But Jefferson, probably the guy. The running backs there are kind of fun as we've been looking more into them this offseason. You know, they lose Rakeem Boyd, who I was kind of excited after like his sophomore and then part way through his junior year, but he just never really turned into a thing. But it sounds like going into next year, they might be running with kind of a Thunder Lightning duo. Uh, Traylon Smith for sure is going to be getting touches there, but he's a little smaller. He's like 184. I think 190. He's he's not a yeah. big back, and he's Five, not nine, like 185. And he doesn't back. run big either. Like he no. he is a small back. So they've been playing with some guys to pair with him this offseason, and it sounds like the coaching staff really likes this freshman athlete that's coming in, Raheem Sanders. And I'm really upset again that I'm saying this name before I want them at all this draft. <laughs> you know, I control the editing of this, so maybe I'm just going to wait to put this out for a couple of weeks. We're, we're taking a hiatus this week, everybody. That's the clip. I'm just sending that out. We're taking a hiatus. Um, but Ra- Raheem Sanders, is he's nicknamed Jet on the team already because they say he's just fast as shit. And he's big. He's like 6'2", 210 or 215 or something like that. He, they thought he was initially going to play wide receiver, and then they got there, and they're like, well, let's get the ball in this kid's hands, and they've really, really liked him. The coaching staff has talked him up a ton. 
that's a huge um, flag for me. You know, you who look over here, coaching staff talking about a player coming out of spring. Um, so I, I'm, I, Sanders is this guy that's a sneaky stash. I, I'm really, really intrigued by him going into the year. And Traylon Smith, I think, is a solid guy too. You know, I think he could be a third down guy in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I know what you're saying there. You don't want to talk up Raheem Sanders too much. Um, but, you know, I think we got to do it because um, I, I like Raheem Sanders as well there. Um, you know, the fact that he was already being, he was being talked about as playing potentially a wide receiver. So he's listed as 6'2", 210, which is, which is huge for a running back um, at 6'2". And, you know, at 210, you got to figure he's going to be able to bulk up even a little bit more. But the fact that he was playing wide receiver in, uh, in, in high school and he was being looked at as wide receiver there, you know, in college, that gives you an idea of, of you know, his ability as a pass catcher. So, you know, that's, that's something else that you like to see from a running back, but also from a back with that size. And then you're also throwing in that level of athleticism on there. Um, you know, he, he ran it, 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 the note on 24 seven in his first track meet ever. He, he ran an 11.3 hundred meter time, which is not blazing fast. But it is it is definitely fast, especially for, you know, because there's a lot of technique in 100 meter that like the start is big in 100 meter. Um, so, you know, it's definitely interesting with that size, speed, pass catching combo. You know, it makes you almost wonder. It makes me at least almost wonder, like, what is Traylon Smith bringing to the table that Raheem Sanders doesn't? Um you know, I think that Traylon Smith's going to have a, a fairly decent role this year for sure. Um, but he's going to be a senior or a COVID senior, however you want to call that. I don't really know um, this year because he transferred from uh, Arizona State, Traylon Smith did. So so even if he has a decent role this year, I think he could be looking at Sanders and having that backfield to himself after that. And, and like you mentioned, Arkansas just gets these freak athletes like Traylon Burks, you got Raheem Sanders. Uh, you get a, another guy that we're, I'm going to talk about a little bit later too. Um, you know, so you were right. They, these guys do have a really interesting uh, skill group there, but I, I do like Sanders as well. Um, and, you know, hopefully our league mates aren't listening in, in that auction draft because I think that it would be turned into a little bit of a fight between you and me for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other, so when you want to talk about freaky athletes there, I think the wide receiver position also definitely has that covered. Um, Arkansas definitely has a type, you know, beyond Traylon Smith or, um, Traylon Burks, who's what, six, three, two thirty. You have Trey Knox there. Who's like six, five. You have Keetron Jackson. Who's a true freshman this year. Who's six, two, six, three. You have uh, Mike Woods that's there. That's a big boy. It's just a, it's a huge room, and I kind of like all of those guys that I just listed. Yeah. I just think that it's um, they they. I wish that they had a more. I don't. I don't know if I want to say modern offense because I'm just not sure that they quite have the you know, Arkansas is the pool to be able to bring in a quarterback that could run something like that. But they, they're just so loaded at those skill positions from an athletic standpoint. And I, they're just such a fun fun group of guys to watch out there. 
Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. Arkansas is a team that this this year that they overachieved a little bit last year from like what anybody thought they were going to do, and they're a team that this coming year, I I don't they're not, you know they're they're in the same side as Bama, LSU. Um, was is that the SEC West? I think is how they break it down. East to West, yeah. Um, so you know they're they're it's it's a tough, very 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 tough division, but so I don't see them you know putting up probably not more than like six, seven wins, but I think they're a team that's going to upset somebody this year that you're going to go, Whoa, what happened there? Cause you know, Traylon Burks and, you know, Raheem Sanders and KJ Jefferson are just going to go gangbusters that game and Traylon Smith too. Like they're just going to have one offensive explosion game. And I think it's going to come against a team that upsets somebody and that you, it makes you pay a little bit of attention to them. Um, I hope it doesn't happen. Do they play? I what? What point in the season do they play Ole Miss? Because I can see that being a game where Ole Miss is yeah. gaining a ton of steam, and then they play Arkansas, and it's like eighty to seventy-five. No overtime. <laughs> eighty to seventy-five. Arkansas wins it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't know what to, what uh, when they play them in the season, but yeah, that's that's a good point there. But um, yeah, so I I think you're right in that. You know, they you kind of want to see them have. A, a little bit more of an explosive offense. And I mean, what they, I think they have Kendall Bryles as the OC. Um, yeah. Think, who's like, whatever I was looking yeah. up some of his past today. Like it's not particularly exciting. And no. that Bryles last name is just so. Yeah. Tainted. Like don't. Yeah. So like, like I said, you, you kind of want somebody who's, who, who's got a little bit more creativity there, especially with all those unique chess pieces that they have. Like you could do some really fun things with that offense, but I don't really think we're going to see that, but so I think these these guys are going to put up some maybe some decent numbers, but I think they're more guys that I'm keeping an eye on for for Debbie or you know for pro potential rather and than just side. yeah yeah and just one note um, to kind of wrap up the wide receiver discussion there. Um, Burks played overwhelmingly in the slot last year. He is going to be at least according to reports on the boundary more this year. Um, so just something for people to you know uh, it could potentially be another box to check with Traylon Burks at the end of the day where you say, oh, well, he, you know, through sophomore year, he'd only played in the slot, but then junior year he went outside and, and crushed it there as well. Um, they do have Hudson Henry there, who's uh, Hunter Henry's brother. Um, their parents were really creative with the first names there. Good job, mom and dad. <laughs> Henry, um, I, he's kind of like a clone of his brother. I'm not sure what his NFL prospects are. He's obviously not going to be as draft. Well, I, mean, I don't want to say obviously. He's probably not going to be drafted as early as his brother was, but very similar style player. Um, probably not really relevant in terms of college scoring that much unless he just totally breaks out this year. Um, but just a guy, you know, that's a guy that you draft in the 30th round if you totally punt a tight end and hope that something becomes of him. Yeah. Um, sorry, I didn't know you were moving on from the wide receiver position. I did want to touch on Keytron Jackson a little bit more. He's okay. a guy that I do like. Um, he, he's a guy that I like a, a lot there, too. Uh, kind of along the lines of Raheem Sanders, where I don't really want to be hyping him up too much. But Oh, well, we already uh, did that on the Arkansas show that we had. So, you know. Yeah, we, we did. We did a little bit there, too. But, um, yeah, no, he's, he's a guy that – He's just a, a freak athlete, like we were saying with some of those other guys. Um, you know, as a freshman, he was third in the in the state of Texas in the long jump. So you see his explosion. As a sophomore, uh, he was a, a, on the silver Texas state silver medal winning relay team and uh, bronze winning four by one relay team. Um, so you see that the type of athlete he is there too. 
And then at his size, uh, 6'2", um, well, he was listed as 186, but he looks bigger than that to me. He looks a little heavier than that. Yeah, I thought when they said that, I was like, yeah. I thought this dude was like 6'3", 210, yeah. or like, you know, 200 or whatever in, in high school. Like, we were, we joked about that in that show. Like, it's one of those ones where the huddle thing doesn't have to put a little circle around the guy. You're like, oh, yeah. there, he, there he is. <laughs> yeah. I can pick that guy up pretty soon. Yeah, um, but I also, I like his his hands. Um you know, he's, he's got really nice body control, but he's also, he, he goes up and gets the ball. He looks every bit of that two, six, two, six, three frame there. Um, he's just big boy and people left and right. So, you know, and I think he's just going to be a pretty natural fit for Burks after Burks leaves. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to highlight Jackson there one more time as a guy that I'm definitely interested in. Yeah. I like Jackson too. Um, he's kind of crept up my, my wide receiver rankings. I'm just not sure. Um, you know, that, that offense limits him at least initially, yeah. you know, there, there's no rush to get a Keytron Jackson because he's going to break out by game three. And then it's just, you know, you right. can never go by this kid again. Yeah. That's, that's why he's actually, he's dropped a couple spots in my rankings. Um, just because I'm starting to realize he's not a guy that I need to have that high. He's definitely a guy that I like. Um, but he's not somebody that I feel like, I have to go early on. So that's why he's dropped a little bit for me, but that's not for lack of talent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that that's pretty much all for Arkansas. You know, there are probably a couple other names that maybe if we wanted to dig really deep, we could talk about. Um, but I don't necessarily think we need to. We nah. kind of touched on all the guys there that, that you would need to draft in a league. Um, so we do have a freshman spotlight tacked onto the end here tonight, guys. Um, we both picked running backs here tonight, and we are going to each give our best five minute or less spiel <laughs> on our guys. Since I know we just we've covered a lot of information, and we're we're, we're the, the time is starting to creep up here a little bit. Um, so with that in mind, Colin, I'll go to you first. Uh, tell us about Will Shipley, who's a guy you know a, a name that probably everybody already knows. Yeah, he's a name that everybody knows, um, you know, and, and I know on our spotlights, we have gone pretty deep on some guys, but with freshman drafts starting to come up, um, I did want to just touch on some of these higher guys um, on the list here, which is why I wanted to talk about Will Shipley here now. But I will say that with with Shipley, you know, I don't feel I, I feel like this is a great situation where, you know, we're running a little bit short on time and I can um you know, I, I don't need to go as deep on a guy like Shipley because if people already know him, he's the number one all-purpose back. He's a five-star guy. He's number 31 overall player. So, you know, I'm not, you know, blowing anybody's mind talking about Will Shipley here. Um, you know, he's 5'11", 198 is what he's listed at. So that's like, that's a good size. Like, I like that size already, especially for an all-purpose back. So all-purpose backs tend to be a little bit smaller. Uh, he is the high-end athlete, though, that you do see from the all-purpose backs. Typically, is he's four-four-six forty, a four-two-one shuttle, thirty-six-inch vert. Um, and you watch his tape, and you see that athleticism. I mean, he breaks off these long runs at a really high rate. So I will say, I'm slightly worried about him bouncing runs outside a little bit too much because you see that a lot in his tape. Um, you know, where he just he gets outside and he just goes, and he out-athletes a lot of people. But Clemson's scheme is really good at getting guys, especially running backs, on the outside. So, you know, I think that that's a pretty natural fit for him. And he is better running in between the tackles than you expect, again, for an all-purpose back. 
but he is an absolute threat as a receiver. And I think he can develop into a true weapon in the pass game. He had 34 catches as a junior, 28 as a sophomore in high school. Um, junior year, he had 2,066 yards rushing and 30 touchdowns, uh, 582 yards receiving and eight touchdowns. They comp 24-7 sports comps him to Joe Mixon. Um, so he has all that profile there that you like to see. But then in their spring game, uh, Dabo Sweeney was hyping him up after the spring game. Um, he said he was better than advertised. Uh, he called him the complete package. He said he was going to be great. He also said he was a great teammate as well, and the guys really like him. Um, so I do need to actually go back and watch his spring game a little bit. Um, I wasn't able to watch the the Clemson spring game this weekend. Um, but DJU pegged him as a standout in spring as well earlier. So, you know, he's a guy who's getting some hype there in a backfield that obviously loses ETN. And now it's a little bit more, a little bit more uncertain there. I mean, they have Lynn J. Dixon is kind of the incumbent in air quotes. Um, Kobe Pace or Kobe Pryor. Can't remember which one it is now. Um, is a guy that's you know they've been talking about him in spring game too, but he's a little bit more of a thunder type of a guy. Um, they have Phil Moffa as well, but you know they don't really have a clear passing down back. So I think that that's going to be his path to some early playing time. And I think you know he can get on. It's going to give him on the, get him on the field. And if he gets on the field, he's the type of guy who can just show out. You know he can break off some monster runs. And I could see him having a huge game during the season, earlier on in the season, probably against some of those soft non-conference games. And then you start to see him just earn a bigger role just because they have a hard time keeping him off of the field. So he's uh, he's a guy that I, I like a lot. Um, he's my number four overall freshman, um, and he's the second running back behind Travion Henderson. I knocked him down my running back overall rankings just a little bit uh, just because the back, like he wasn't getting the first team reps in spring, um, which is a freshman. So, you know, not necessarily unexpected, but I bumped him down a little bit and I bumped Kobe Pace prior up a little bit just to reflect the spring news, but he's still a guy that I'm a big fan of. Yeah. I don't think um, just based on kind of how the touches were, um, given outs this past week because I did watch a large part of that game. I don't think he's going to contribute as much as we thought that he might this year. Yeah. Um, and I think it sounds like they really like Phil Maffa as well. Um, so I am starting to get, you know, I still think he's a good NFL prospect and all that, but if you're looking for a guy that's going to be a heavy, heavy producer in college and then go on to the NFL, they might be doing a thunder and lightning there as well. And that, unless they're just extremely prolific on the ground, which, you know, they have DJU there, so they don't need to be. I'm not sure how much exactly he scores in the college side of things, which does give me pause as to my ranking, because I have him as my RB2 right now. Yeah, I mean, that's right where I have him, too. Um, So I'm with you there. It's slightly concerning. I don't think he's – I don't – like I said, I bumped him down a little bit because I, I'm with you. I don't think he's going to get quite as much run as I initially thought. But like I said, I also could see him getting on the field a little bit as a passing down back, showing out, and then just forcing their hand where he's going to. they're going to need to give him a little bit of a bigger role. But I do think given the other talent that they have there, the other big guys that they have in the backfield, um, that it is likely to be a thunder and lightning approach. But they don't have another lightning piece. So 
you know, he's that's a fairly easy role for him. Yeah, you're right. I, they have some lighter guys, but maybe not anybody that I would consider um, lightning per se. Right. Um, so and I think the pass I, game is what I'm factoring into in, in the lightning role. Um, typically, I, I think of the lightning guy as the more as the pass catcher in that backfield as well. I mean, I think Pace can play that role or prior, whatever we're calling him now. Um, yeah, he looks okay in that role, but I, I don't know. I, th- I think that Shipley just looks better. That's fair. Um, all right, your, your five minutes are up here. We're moving on. Um, and I definitely won't use all my five minutes here just because I'm talking about one of the least sexy names in this year's class, in my opinion, but a guy that I like. Like, I, I'm not, you know, calling him not sexy is not a bad thing. And that's Ricky Parks, the running back who's going to Utah. Um, listed at 5'10", 192 on on 24-7. And I saw somewhere that he is has gained weight. He's like up to over 200 now. I don't remember exactly where I saw that, but he, he's out of Gaither High School in Tampa, Florida. And like I said, he is the perfect, not sexy Utah running back. They have a very nice history of producing guys like that. And he is just going to be the latest in that line, in my opinion, because my pros for him, I'm writing up his freshman profile right now for the site as well. <laughs> my pros, he is a very efficient back. Ooh, that's so fun. He's efficient. But he is. There's very little wasted movement from him as he approaches the line of scrimmage. I think he's um he's a quick cutter and he has solid burst out of those cuts. You know, it's not elite, it's not amazing, he's not a burner, and you know, the lateral agility isn't insane like we see out of some of these guys, but it's good. And I think because he has such nice footwork, it allows him to get away with some things that his athletic ability might not let him do otherwise. He is an average athlete for the position. Yay, another really sexy thing that I'm saying about this guy. He's an average athlete, which is fine, as we always say on this show. You know, if you, as we've seen, being an uber athlete certainly can help you, but it's not the end-all, beat-all. And the running back is one of those positions where we don't need you to be that level of athlete. I think he's fine. You know, I think he'll test mid to high four fives when all is said and done. Um, And I think the rest of his... um, uh, you know, agility drills and things like that will be okay as well. And his hands are good. So sexy. His hands are good. <laughs> not great, not elite, but they're good. I've seen him catch a few passes. He looks confident in his hands, but he's not been tested enough for me to say with any certainty that he is some crazy dangerous pass catcher. But regardless, I've seen him catch enough passes and with enough cert- uh, you know, with enough confidence to say that I think that he can be a contributor in the passing game in one way or another the the big thing with parks and i've been saying all off season and i'm just not sure because it seems like they really like michael bernard now after you know going through spring here so maybe i'm pumping the brakes a little bit it's a crowded depth chart i don't think any of the guys ahead of him are very good to be completely honest bernard's fine and i think he probably at least is leading the the way right now to be their starter beyond him they have um uh two two uh transfers in tj pledger from Oklahoma and Chris Curry from LSU. We've talked about that situation a lot, so I'm not going to do that again here, but I just don't think very much of either of them. So I think Parks has a chance to contribute. You know, uh, this year might be a stretch. You might have to bank on an injury or something to get on the field a lot and log some carries. Um, But Ty Jordan was not at the head of their depth chart last year either. And by the end of the year, he was the guy. They are truly, Whittingham will play the best running back there. And I think if Parks proves that he belongs, then he will get touches. Yeah, I I do like Ricky Parks, like you're saying there too. But 
uh, like you said, it is just, it's, it's a very crowded running back room and, you know, you can find some value in that last year. I mean, look at, look at Ty Jordan, you know, nobody was really hyping him up and then he came out, had a big year. Um, you know, shame what happened there for the rest of that. But, you know, so, so Ricky Parks could have a, a nice role on the offense. Like you said, he, you know, they're, they're going to play the best, the best running back there. And if that ends up being him, you know, you can get him for real cheap. Cause I don't think he's a guy that too many people are hyping up. Um, but yeah, because I, I don't really like Chris Curry, don't really like TJ Pledger. So, yeah, I mean, I think that was a great spotlight. You know, definitely worth bringing some attention to, to that name as, as a guy to, again, as a guy to log for a little bit later. He is a guy that you may have to actually draft, though. I think you would, yeah, with yeah. his nature. I think he's a low four-star. Um, he's my RB13. I've seen a couple other people talk about him. They like they like him, you know, kind of in that range as well. Um, so, it, it, he, yeah, I think you have to draft him. He's not a guy like I, we talked about Kenji Christian a few weeks ago, and I was like, you know, don't draft this guy before like round 35 because it's you know, muddled <laughs> backfield and, and lowly rated and all that kind of stuff. All right, I think that is the show here for tonight, guys. There is a lot of information, and as we move through spring here, I think we're going to have a lot of uh, similarly packed episodes, um, so look forward to that. Um, beyond that, be on the lookout not only for Canton Bound, our NFL side of things uh, here on the website, but also uh, Debbie Debate, um, live show every Wednesday night that turns into a podcast Thursday morning, and that's with Matthew Bruning, Felix Sharp, and myself. We have Why Wait Till Sunday. I have no idea exactly what Alfred's release schedule is for that, but there are usually multiple episodes <laughs> on there a week, and he does a lot of really cool stuff. Last week, he looked at what how we can predict – a true freshman breakout. I thought it was a very um, fun episode to listen to for that. Um, and then just go check out the website guys. You know, the discord's growing over there. Uh, that is for members only. We have uh, Jarek's data visualization tool. We have he, Jarek has built out another tool that's for ADP visualization. That's going to be releasing here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I've been playing, poking around with it here tonight. And I'm really excited for that. Um, the, 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 this site is just going to continue to grow. And some of these things, you know, the, the Jarek's apps are going to be behind a paywall here soon. So if you want some of that data for your your drafts this offseason, um, as far as I know, we're the only place that has that kind of information um, as deep as we go. Um, so so do check that out. Uh, Colin, do you have anything to add here uh, at the end of the episode? No, not really. Just, um, you know, get, get some of those reviews in again, too. Um, you know, it's a pretty low number that we have in there. Uh, it helps out the show a lot. So if you like the show, you know, definitely rate and review us. Um, also download the show too. That helps us out a lot as well. Just keeping track of those, those listens and downloads and stuff. Um, but no, that's, that's really about it. That's all I got. Cool. All right, guys. Then until later this week, uh, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one, guys.